0: Welcome to the Vine Life Podcast. We're a church in Manchester who love Jesus, each other and our city. Catch up on this week's message and more. Father, thank you that you are here with us. Thank you that you're moving by your Holy Spirit. As we gather together to put our attention on you, you just can't stay away. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to come And speak to us through your word, through one another. Would you meet us here today? Amen. Amen. So, um, a couple of weeks ago, in our staff prayer meeting, um, prayer and worship time we have um, every Wednesday morning, um, Andy was sat at the keyboards, um, and uh, he's leading us in a song. um, The song, So Good To Me. You know that song, Right. So I waited patiently upon the Lord. Yeah, you know it. I'm not gonna sing any more for you. But um so I was like, I this song, I I feel like it's in the Bible somewhere. It's gotta be in the Bible somewhere, right? It's, this sounds like a psalm. So I um I was flicking through my Bible. It took me an embarrassing, long, embarrassingly long time to find that um the song So Good to Me. Um is actually based off of Psalm 40. Um at least the first part of the song is based off the first part of Psalm 40. Um, and just as I was reading through it, I felt like there's something on it for me, for where I found myself on that Wednesday morning. And there's something on it for us as a church community, perhaps, as um, where we find ourselves. And so I'm hoping to offer you today some words of encouragement about God's past faithfulness, about our present reality and the future hope that we have in him. So we'll jump into Psalm 40. Before I, we we do that, if you've got a real paper Bible, grab that if you're on your phone. Flick over from BBC Sport and open your Bible app. Um, go to Psalm 40. Um, just before we read it, just worth pointing out that So Good to Me is the second best song based on Psalm 40. Anyone want to guess which the best song is based off of Psalm 40? Anyone? It's 40 by U2 of the 1983 album War. They wrote and recorded it. I mixed it in about 40 minutes because they're running out of studio time. It's probably not a problem for them anymore. Um, but uh, homework this week. Let's go home and listen to 40 by you two. Uh, close the curtains, turn the lights off, lie down on the floor, be a brilliant three and a half minutes. Um anyway, sound 40. i read it from the CSB, so it'll sound a little bit, little bit different to Corey Asbury. Um, uh, but this thing's gonna be on the screen as well, so you can follow along. Um it says this, but it, in my Bible, this is entitled, Thanksgiving and a Cry for Help. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry for help. He brought me up from the desolate pit out of the muddy clay and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear, and they will trust in the Lord. Like I said, it's... David's doing pretty well, isn't he? Life's sounding good. Um, He says, how happy is anyone who has put his trust in the Lord and has not turned to the proud or those who run after lies? Lord, my God, you have done many things. Just many things. Your wondrous works and your plans for us, none can compare with you. If I were to report and speak of them, they're more than can be told. Again, David seems pretty good he's pretty happy with where he is in life right now so you don't delight in sacrifice and offering you open my ears to listen or you hollow out my ears for me that's what it literally says you don't ask for a whole burnt offering or a sin offering then I said see I have come in the scroll it is written about me I delight to do your will my God And your instruction is deep within me. I proclaim righteousness in the great assembly. See, I didn't keep my mouth closed. As you know, Lord, I did not hide your righteousness in my heart. I spoke about your faithfulness and salvation. I did not conceal your constant love and truth from the great assembly. Again, just life's good, right? David's doing well. Then we kind of take a bit of a different direction as as we head into verse 11. He says, Lord, do not withhold your compassion from me. Your constant love and truth will always guard me for troubles without number have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me. I'm unable to see. They're more than the hairs of my head and my courage leaves me. Lord, be pleased to rescue me. Hurry to help me, Lord. Let those who intend to take my life be disgraced and confounded. Let those who wish me harm be turned back and humiliated. Let those who say to me, "Aha, aha," be appalled because of their shame. Just quickly, verse fifteen. This word, "Aha, aha," it's a Hebrew word that means that's pronounced "hiach." It kind of means. Look at that guy over there. There were probably a lot of Man City fans yesterday saying "hiach" at Liverpool. There's probably um, it, it's it's the noise that. Um, Nelson Muntz from The Simpsons makes. You remember Nelson? He's the bully in The Simpsons. He goes like, ha ha. Points his finger and laughs. That's what these people are saying. They're saying yeah. And then David says, let all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. Let those who love your salvation continually say, the Lord is great. I am oppressed and needy. May the Lord think of me. You're my helper and my deliverer. My God, do not delay. See, actually, David's life is somehow in a mess. (laughs) Again, he's surrounded by troubles without number. His iniquities, his sins, they've caught up with him. You know, there's people trying to take his life, trying to cause him harm, people pointing and laughing at him. And we realise this is David's present reality, that life is pretty tough. There are some situations where he needs God to move, to be active and to repeat his past faithfulness. And that's what gives him hope for the future. So past faithfulness, David puts God's past faithfulness in front of him. It's to remind him that God is good, that God can be trusted. He tells of how good God has been, how he's lifted him out of the pit and put his feet on a rock. Um, if you come to our house, and you ascend the stairs, you'll see some of these. There's a bunch of photos on the walls. Um, and probably, especially if you've got kids, your home is very very much the same, right? Except your kids aren't quite as cute as mine. Um, uh, although, admittedly, if you rent a house somewhere, you might not be allowed to do this, so apologies. But one of the reasons, we have a bunch of photos of our kids and good times in our lives on the walls. One of the reasons we do this is to capture those memories. Because the photos tell the stories of the times that were good. The photos tell the stories of the holidays that we've been on, of the celebrations we've been to together, of the weddings we've, we've, we've celebrated, maybe even our own. They're significant markers of our family story. Smiling faces and sunny weather that keep us going through the dark days of winter, right? And you might not think super deeply about photos. You might just put them up because they look nice. But there's a sense in which we keep these images around us to remind us of what life is like when life is good. They're reminders of what life can be. And on the days when life is hard, when we're in need of of encouragement, we remember these memories. We remember that life can be beautiful after all. You know, David doesn't have the advantage of a DSLR and a sweet printer. But he uses the method available to him to capture his memories in the form of poetry, in the form of these psalms, in the form of songs. It's funny, isn't it, how songs can take you back somewhere? That third song we sang this morning it took me back to 1990 something, <laughs> and uh, being stood in a church in the suburbs of Peterborough, and just Peterborough is big enough to have suburbs, just so you know. That's where I grew up. Um, being stood in, in outskirts of Peterborough, and just deciding that, do you know what, Jesus was worth my life. Jesus was worth following. And those songs take us back there, don't they? So David, he writes a psalm, this ancient form of poetry, to remember God's past faithfulness. I think in a way we know what it is to remember the good times, to remember and to reflect God's goodness to us, to put that past faithfulness right in front of our eyes, where we're going to see it and we're going to remember it. Those photos in my house, they're not hidden away in a cupboard. They're on the stairs. I'm going to go up and down there many times a day. I'm going to put them where I can see them. I'm going to remember God's faithfulness. But when it comes to present reality, David is also honest about his present reality. David isn't in denial about where he finds himself. He's very honest about his current situation. He confronts his present reality. He doesn't live in a make-believe world and pretend that everything is fine, like this guy. You know, sometimes we don't want to admit when life is hard, do we? Not even to ourselves, really. We just want to be able to move on from where we are. But we've got to be honest about where we are. If we pretend that everything is fine, Why do we even need to invite God in to heal us anyway? Not naming the trauma we experience is the number one way to relive it time and time again. All through our lives. If you want to heal from it, you need to be able to name it. To be honest with God about where you are. Be honest about what hurts, about what's hard and where you need to see him move. Maybe look at this next picture, this 15th century illustration of Psalm 40. This one is a bit more dramatic. You can't quite see it. So maybe let's zoom in on David's face. Next one. I wish the contrast was a little bit better on this thing. But he looks in pain. You can come and see it um, later on on my laptop if you really want. But David, he's he's being dramatic right here. There's fire and there's chaos and there's some weird people in some weird lake on the right-hand side as well. It's mildly terrifying. But David is honest (laughs) about the pain he's going through. You can see it from his face here. Um, So this illustrator definitely pulled that out of him. Let's look at some of these phrases from verse 11 onwards. He says, troubles without number have surrounded me. My iniquities have overtaken me. I'm unable to see. They're more than the hairs of my head. That means like, it's just way more than I can count. I know now, like in 2022, we can count the number of hairs on our head. We've got a method for that. But David, no chance. Lord, be pleased to rescue me. Hurry to help me, God. As people want to take my life. People that wish me harm. People just want to laugh at me. David is honest about this, but he takes his pain to God. He doesn't just blurt it everywhere. He takes his pain to God to the one who he knows can do something about it. He's not just having a whinge or a complaint. He's taking the reality of where he is to the one who can change his circumstances. And as he closes out the psalm, he's confident again. He says to God, you are my helper and my deliverer. His future hope, he puts his future hope in God. See, David doesn't look to himself for his own strength or wisdom. He's not obsessed with his own ability to win his way out of whatever scenario he's got himself into. Because you've got to remember, David has proved his prowess as a warrior. He slayed the giant. He's killed his tens of thousands. If I was a giant slayer, I'd probably be resting on my laurels a little bit. But David reminds himself. He says to God, no, you are my help, my deliverer. It's not me, it's you. It's because of his story of walking with God, of seeing God move, of knowing that God has done it before and he can do it again. But you might be thinking, right, this is, this is fine for David. You might be thinking, John, I have never slayed a giant and taken five smooth stones out the river and flung them at his head and chopped said giant's head off with his own sword. I have not done that. I haven't killed bears and lions. I'm not a folklore hero in Israel. I've not been anointed king. I've not been to war and come back with the spoils. I've not ascended to the throne. You don't know what my life's like. I don't have those stories. Maybe mostly life's just been hard, and I hear that. But the beautiful thing about being a community together is that we're not just limited to our own stories can lean on the faithfulness of God to others. There's three key ways we get to do that. One is through scripture. This book is full of brilliant stories of when God came through. Read about Jesus healing the sick, raising the dead, feeding the crowds, bringing the outcasts back into society, even helping local businessmen turn their businesses around through strategic decision-making Put your nets on the other side. Best catch a fish they ever had. Go to scriptures to see God's faithfulness. The next place is history, through history. There's a word that people were using a lot about two years ago, and we all got fed up of it. The word was unprecedented. We mainly got fed up of it because people kept saying it all the time. But as I look back, I've realized The times were not unprecedented. They were very, very precedented. Throughout history, we have been through pandemics. We've been through wars. We've been through food shortages and fuel shortages. We've not always had such a long wait for garden furniture, but that's another story. But when it comes to pandemics and wars and the global crises that sort of just seem to cascade on from them, one crisis seems to become another. We've been here before as a human race. We've been here before. The world will recover. It may not quite be the same. Not everything will get put back in quite the same place, but it will recover and God's faithfulness faithfulness at work in the world will not fail. And the third place we get to borrow God's faithfulness from is one another in our church family when we tell the stories to one another of what God is doing or what he has done, we get to lean on one another's story because I know there are stories in this room of miraculous healing. I know there's stories in this room of outrageous supernatural provision of resources and finances. I know there's stories in this room of miracle babies. I know there's stories in this room of job offers, business connections just coming out of the blue. I know there are stories of God making a way when there seemed to be no way. We get to share these stories with one another. We get to lean on the past faithfulness of what God has done for one another, apply that to our present reality, and stir up the hope for one another's future. You know, in Hebrews chapter 12, the writer's been talking about A whole bunch of people who've done a whole bunch of amazing things by faith in God. That is, they've allowed God's faithfulness to work through them, to show up in their lives. And this is the reason why we are able to keep following Jesus, because we know that when we do life with God, he shows up. Hebrews 12 verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, Witnesses to God's goodness. Witnesses to God's faithfulness. We are those witnesses to God's faithfulness. Together, we get to be part of that cloud. Together, we lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. I think we get to be part of that cloud of witnesses for one another. And I want to start some of that journey with us today. We've got about 10 minutes. 10 minutes to become a great cloud of witnesses. Some of you are looking a little more cloudy than others. I've got to admit. But what I'd love us to do over this next little while, find yourself a group of four or five people. I would love you to tell one another where you've seen God's faithfulness at work. Ideally, in the last like, month, like pretty recent, it does not have to be impressive. It's even better if it's not impressive. Don't write yourself off because you didn't have a million pounds to fall through your front door. Anytime you've seen God be faithful to you over the last month, share that story together. And if there's someone else in that little group that's like, that's what I need God to do for me that's the challenge that I'm in right now, then we get to pray for one another. We get to say to God together, we are standing on your past faithfulness to one another and we expect you to work in our current circumstances. So we put our hope in you, God. And as well, as you're sharing stories together, not too much pressure but if someone in your group has a story you're like do you know what it's not just us that needs to hear that the whole room needs to hear that we're going to make some space for that as well so jump into a group tell one another where you've seen god be faithful to you and then if someone else in your group has got a great story tell them to come share it at the end all together we'll make some time for that is that all right okay go 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 we'll put on some gentle backgroundy music to break any awkwardness thank you dave so get talking we'll get sharing hope you enjoyed today's message if you want to find out more head to our website finelife.co.uk or follow us on Instagram God bless and see you soon